Sonic So hello and welcome everybody to Sonic Talk number 101. That's 101, yes. We passed the 100th milestone last week, which was uh, great fun. Uh, Thanks to all of those who... Um, participated um, live and otherwise you've listened um it was really it really was as fun as it sounded i know it was a bit chaotic but you know what do you expect it's a 100 podcasts for god's sake that's an enormous number to achieve so 101 is this week and this week uh, we have not quite the same size of team but uh, nonetheless uh, i'm joined by mr rich hilton from connecticut howdy 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 how are you doing rich have you had any um had a good week since last week yeah, yeah, actually, I've uh, pretty much fully recovered from my September bronchitis, and now I'm feeling well. Yeah, you were sounding a little chesty there a couple of uh, a couple of episodes back. So. Yeah, pretty much throughout uh, September, I was suffering with bronchitis. I get it kind of during the changing seasons, and uh, now I'm feeling well and strong and back in the game. Hey, I'm really glad to hear that, Rich. Uh, Rich Hilton, of course, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius, where you can see all of his uh, chic-related shenanigans and otherwise. Um, and, of course, uh, Mr. Mark Tinley, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome again. Uh, you've got yourself um, plugged in and all ready to go, I hope. I've got everything, yeah, I can do Whoa. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Chaos is back. Uh, Chaos, of course, last week was one of the... F- well, I'm not sure. Some people say it was one of the finer points of the show. Uh, um, the course, the Chaosolator jam, we tried kind of transatlantically last week, which was kind of a really good fun. And uh, although it was, as the name would suggest, total chaos, I really enjoyed it. I liked the end, yeah. I thought it worked really well, actually. Well, the, mo- the most kind of impressive thing really was having worked in this industry for quite a long time and having tried to sync various different things together that we were all on the end of skype connections and we somehow managed to play in time with all of that delay and everything i mean in I think, time. Uh, yeah in time i think the thing was is um, me and dave were in the same place so our timing was locked right so that was kind of that was fixed but it still sounded like a coherent noise as opposed to like things drifting off in different directions and everything. So Yeah, I guess, that's true. And you got to I mean, play guitar solo, which was great. I enjoyed that <laughs> immensely. <laughs> um, I, uh, we're having a bad Skype day today. Dave has just dropped off the list again, so I'm going to go and get him. So I don't know what, what's going on here, so I'll just try and go and get Dave Spears because he's our last guest. Yes. Dave, you disappeared again. What happened? I don't know what's going on. My um, Skype seems to be cutting out. A lot. Hmm, it does. I don't know whether it's you or me. I'll take the blame for now, and then we'll see how it goes. Normally when we're doing a podcast, it, b- because when my partner does calls in the morning, she has something like six million, six billion people on. Is it six million or billion? Yeah. There's 13 million people on at the moment. There's not normally that many on when we're doing this, so maybe the Skype network itself is causing that. Oh, you think so? They're bumping off. Uh, well, luckily, we haven't got anybody else to introduce, apart from, of course, Dave Spears from GeForceSoftware.com. Thank you. Uh, Dave, of course, back um, back home where, where the heart is, um, after joining us last week for the 100th podcast, which was immense fun. Uh, thank you. Uh, although I do feel like uh, I want to take... You, you can have some of the blame for leading me astray. Um, I felt dreadful the next day. Did you? Mm. I felt great. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I just can't do this sort of thing, you know. And this is the sort of once every once every year once a year occurrence especially in the afternoon it was kind of like a wedding or something 
Yes, could could have done with a kip afterwards. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely a bit of that. Um, in fact, last week, um, I, well, I guess we should say now, thank you very much to everybody who joined us live. Um, in fact, there were loads of comments from last week. Uh, Guru1 said, thanks for the name check, finally. Uh, Redwalk said, hi chaps, had a blast listening and chatting along with the 100th podcast, keep it up. And Mark JXP, ever ever um, vigilant, said, by the way, the, the talk is tagged Sonic Talk 83. Uh, and I will confess, I haven't got round to changing it. Uh, what actually happened was is uh, we finished up the show and then me and Dave went to the pub and then when <laughs> I got home I edited it I say edited it I sort of it was like a butchery session I just kind of cut I just sort of played random bits and thought oh that gap's a bit big but I didn't really touch much of it uh, Mike R said happy happy podcast happy 100th did we get a telegram from the Queen well the answer is no we didn't Nomar said please don't wait till episode 200 to do this again uh and Ma- uh, no, and no. Uh, yeah well i think we should do it again i think it kind of added another dimension to the whole show and if everybody's comfortable with it i think we should um you know could do some more yes yeah. i liked it yeah i it did gives, like it adds a little i mean we're all kind of performers you know or have mm. performed and it adds a little extra edge to the proceedings doesn't it when you know that there's some other people listening to you it's not kind of a closed uh, environment it definitely makes a difference um, by the way, Mark, Andre says, Mark, if you do a search on GIMP Mac on the web, there's a good freeware um, that mimics Photoshop. Oh, okay, brilliant. Thank you very much. I'll go and look for it. Uh, apologies for my, uh, my, my drunken behaviour, and but um, <laughs> thanks for witnessing it and being there. There's no way I can deny it. I got a really nice email from a chap called Robert in St. Paul, Minnesota over the course of the week since yep. the last podcast. And he basically in- emailed me to say, thank you for constantly inspiring him every day with my music advice, conversation and input. And that he listens to the Sonic state podcast every week and always finds it a real joy to hear us give our various input on different to- topics. So I was, I was really touched by that. That's a really nice really thing to say, isn't it? Kind of makes- actually taking the time to do that. Way Sorry. to go, Robert. Yeah, nice one, Robert. And and also, Mark, you know, considering that um, you get absolutely nothing for participating in this, I'm glad to see you get some sort of spiritual and, and uh, kudos from random individuals on the web, at least. I hope it makes Nick. it all worth it. Rich. Nick, does that mean my checks aren't coming? Well, uh, you know what posts like these days. And obviously, um, <laughs> since I when, I when I wrote the checks... The currency was such a... It was all completely different, you see. So I've had to cancel all of them. That was, of course, ACDC's Back in Black, as played by one bloke. Uh, his name was Matt Mahaffey. I hope I've pronounced that right. And he played that uh, on, uh, it was him playing the drums with sort of one hand. And the other hand was he was playing the Omnicord, the Suzuki Omnicord, which is a kind of like a electronic auto harp through some kind of a fuzz box. 
And um, it was, I just, I thought it was brilliant. I think Back in Black, ACDC's Back in Black, um, it, it kind of makes me um, unveil my uh, 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 sort of rock roots. And I, that's one of my favourite guitar intros there, you know, of all time ever. But wasn't that great? And what a brilliant drum sound. Didn't you think that snare sounded fat, considering it was probably <laughs> on a camcorder? I sent it to Nick, who's got several Omnicords, and uh, he's convinced that it was all uh, edited and the guy was a robot because he couldn't understand how the guy could play that well. It was. <laughs> well, that, I, actually, I, couldn't <laughs> understand, I couldn't understand how he could play that well and suggested the that he was brilliant he was brilliant wasn't it i mean he sounded a lot of people were obviously um there was kind of in the comments on youtube it was kind of saying oh that's jack white it isn't jack white obviously but it does sound an awful lot like jack white and it's got the kind of the white stripes kind of vibe as in you know very minimalist band but obviously it's not meg playing the drums it's this guy matt mahaffe who has a band called self and is a quite an accomplished producer him and performed and produced with many artists uh pink beck for a long time liz fair tenacious d phantom beyonce phantom planet beyonce hello goodbye there's there's tons of it smash mouth there's, there's quite a lot of um stuff that he's done and uh I, I don't know he just seems like a very talented individual i know rich you were kind of uh you you probably know the chords to that song really well so you know he he must have had to make some compromises because the omnicord doesn't do all the inversions and what have you does it but what well, it's pretty pretty well done and the the vibe was, and the feel was pretty good it was very enjoyable yeah he left a few things out but it was fun it was great and the fact that he got that single note line out using like reaching over with both hands and playing some kind of chord progression that made it go in 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 it was cool that was really um, cool wasn't it the the He's not the first guy I've seen do this. I mean, he is the first guy I've seen do Back in Black. But um, there's a guy in New York called Walker Adams who plays uh, in a band with Percy Jones called Tunnels. And he also has a solo project called Joy Engine. And he sits there behind a drum kit. And his left hand is on the keyboard and the right hand is playing drums and he's singing. And I've seen him do, I saw him play, I don't know, 30 minutes like this. Wow. And uh, he's very good. Um, he didn't do Back in Black. He did other things. But but uh, he was very good and very talented kid. He's like 25 or something. I don't know. This kid looked pretty young at the time, didn't he? I mean, I think it must be quite an old video. Because, I mean, anyway, I can't the, imagine the, he's worked with all those people <laughs> before he right. actually did that one. But maybe he did. No, I don't know. But but anyway, this guy would be joyengine.com. E-N-G-I-N. Okay. Well, I'll see that in the show notes as well. Walker Adams is his name. Okay, right. Dave just dropped off again. I'm going to try and get him one more time. Dave's practicing. Maybe he's rebooting. Yeah, he's he's rebooted. Yeah. I think he's practicing playing keyboards and singing while he plays the drums. Yeah. Dave, what have you been doing? You've been playing with, you've been pressing all those Omnicord buttons again, dropping off the, uh, off the line. Where's that webcam? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's been spying on me. Wasn't that Uh, cracking? So hopefully that'll sort it out. Cracking though, wasn't it? Dave, Matt Mahaffey. I think I pronounced that right. Doing the Omnicord vibe on Back in Black. I thought that end was superb. Let's have a look. That probably wasn't the end you were talking about, was it? It was just after that bit. Oh, wait. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you just kind of get, get what you're given here. Um, incidentally, I went and had a look a bit at, at some of this sort of ACDC stuff, and this was their first album after the singer Bon Scott died, and it's, it was released in 1980, and it sold 42 million and was produced by Mutt Lang, who incidentally now is married to and produces Shania Twain. Is that right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's soon to be formerly married to. Oh, oh well, I'm, I'm so out of date. I don't follow the celebrity gossip, but uh, um, that's a shame. Or wasn't he credited with being one of the most sort of meticulous producers? And he kind of legendarily um, drove half of Def Leppard crazy because he was recording all their guitars one string at a time and what have you. Yeah, apparently so. And uh, I've always been a huge fan of Mutt Lang and wanted to work in the same room as him. And I know a few people who have. And I've also worked with Rick Ocasek, who made a very good album with Mutt Lang called Heartbeat City when he was in the cars. Um, And yes, Mutt can drive you crazy, apparently. uh, Well, that's what I've been told. But but then again, my friend Milo, who works with Michael Bolton, speaks very highly of Mutt, and Mutt didn't really drive him crazy. So, so... uh, I guess it depends what you got to offer in the first place. Well, apparently, I mean, one story I heard from Rick Ocasek was that, uh, you know, the song, uh, what is it? Uh, Is it called Magic? It's got this really big bass entrance. You know, it starts off with the one, four, five guitar chords, and they're singing. And at one point, the bass goes wop, bum, bum, bum. It's a big entrance. They spent seven days. Oh my god! On the bass sound for this song, uh, they apparently hired in every amplifier in England. I was told. <laughs> it was can, like, can you can you imagine if you were a studio owner in the eighties going? Oh my God, we got Mutt Lang in. Fantastic. It means it's going to be in here for kind of like three years making a record. We're going to get, you know, all the lockouts and everything is going to be, you, you make a fortune out of somebody like him, wouldn't you? As a right. studio well, owner. Yeah, but on the other hand, Def Leppard should be sending him Christmas cards for life for that album uh, with Photograph and Foolin' on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, I'm not a fan of Def Leppard, but the sound, I mean, it really was kind of quite... Oh. Unique. Photograph and Foolin' are two unbelievable recordings. If you listen to them, they just have hook after hook after hook. The, the chorus is like the third or fourth hook that shows up in each one of those songs. There's just so many hooks. It's so well done. It's just remarkable. It, it, and and it all sounds like Fairlight drums to me, but that's fine. And uh, I don't know. I'm a big oh, fan God, of Can Mutt you Lang. imagine having somebody as who seems to be as obsessive as Mutt Lang kind of working programming with technology like that i mean it must have been endless Could, would you like to be his fairlight operator i think it might have, dave you operate the fairlight. sure <laughs> yeah go for it what the heck sure on an hourly uh, rate though please not track by track whatever <laughs> <laughs> i'd go there for free yeah well fair enough absolutely i would go there for free no, quite a legendary guy. But the uh, the album um, was incidentally also mastered by Bob Ludwig, and it's uh, it's a fabulous uh, list of innuendo. Um, one of my favourite uh, one was uh, "Let Me Put My Love Into You." Isn't that isn't that a touching <laughs> track? And where else? Shoot to thrill. What do you do for money? I mean, it's sort of fairly. Sick. They must have had a laugh coming up with these titles for the songs. Anyway, a really, really big album, uh, ACDC. And in fact, that whole album, um, you can tell. It's got the touch of Muttland because it's it's so it is got so many brilliant guitar hooks in it. I mean, just looking at the titles of the song, I'm just thinking I can remember all the riffs, and I've probably you know I don't even own the album. Yeah, it was classic. I was working in a hi-fi store at the time, and it was it was getting played all day, every day that album, and I was so so impressed. Hey, your boy, could you sell some hi-fi gear with that thing too? Oh yeah, it I made guess everything you sound great. <laughs> no matter what you played it through, it sounded great. <laughs> what a Thank combination! Thank you very much, but <laughs> and Sh- I wonder if Shipley worked on that because you know Mike Shipley had a career kind of launched as a, a, off the you know as a tributary to Mutz because I think there was a period where Shipley was engineering 
which uh, while Mutt was working, and uh, I think they kind of broke off and each had careers. I think Shipley even ended up producing a Def Leppard album later on. Uh, okay. That was um, Matt, Matt Mahaffey playing ACDC, and uh, I enjoyed it very much. As this is episode 101, um, I thought um, we could have a, a, a topical a topic that was kind of on the 101 sort of thing, give us a chance to vent our spleens. And so I thought stuff that really pisses you off in music technology and production, I thought this would be a good, maybe a good kind of 101 type topic for us. And I, I'll start the one thing and the one, and I, and I know it's very impatient of me, but it's, it's, it's um, indecisive indecisiveness in the studio when you're just spending hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and then you end up coming back to where you went that, that really pisses me off and you know that's just because i'm impatient to a degree i mean i can understand that things need to be worked over but i i'm more of an immediate kind of guy if it's not working then you know after a, a couple of hours that's enough really for my for my uh, dave oh blimey where do you um, start <laughs> yeah exactly um i don't know really um i hate pedal steel guitar so uh, <laughs> really is yeah. that a, a rational um a hatred or is it just did something happen to you it, when you were a child no i think it's completely irrational but it just sounds like a sort of dog dying and reminds me of loads of music that i hate so if anyone brings a pedal steel in i'll usually leave um <laughs> major chords have a habit of annoying me quite a lot far too cheeky and chirpy and cheerful um <laughs> i'll tell you what i really don't like what i don't like <laughs> are tracks where the vocal melody follows a pattern played on a synth or synth brass or something like that, Alice kind of Stock Aitken and Waterman. That really kind of annoys me. Oh, I could pull the plug on a few sessions for that. Um, I don't know, really. <laughs> Just random. Uh, yeah. You must have been really hurting through that ACDC topic then, because that's all fairly major, isn't it? I'm sorry to put you through it. Well, no, it's different on a guitar, but I don't know. I, I've got this kind of running battle with, uh, funny enough, um, the guitarist from Jamiroquai, and he thinks that everything with a minor chord is C-fax music. And I go, well, everything with a major chord is just bloody cheerful and chirpy, and we can do without it. Thank you very much. Have, right, you, have you ever heard Robert Randolph play uh, the pedal steel? No, I wouldn't. I'd leave the He's, room. It's it's got more in common. It's got more in common with Hendrix than it's got with uh, Jerry Douglas or guys from Nashville. Oh, that's better. I I don't have a problem with pedal steels. I think they're beautiful and expressive and very lyrical. I love the thing, but that's... But, you me. know, that, that's fair <laughs> enough. Um, okay. Well, Rich, you spoke up. So I, I, I imagine you're a fairly tolerant kind of guy, and there's not much that gets under your skin. Well, certainly as relates to people changing their mind, I, um, I've grown quite used to it. <laughs> well, I suppose the thing is that. now, we've got no excuse to not allow them to do that, whereas before it'd be kind of like, well, it's, it's on tape. You know, you have to get well, the band in can, and re-record it, you know, but now you, you can do it forever. You can delay every decision as long as you want. <laughs> you literally do not have to commit to anything at any point in the process if you don't want to. Now, for me, on some level, that's maddening, but uh, I've learned to deal with it. And I, it's, it's a part of the creative process, and it's the right of the artist to change their mind. And, and the, you know, the classic example, apparently, is uh, somewhere a year and a half in, Michelangelo painted over the Sistine Chapel, painted it all white and started over. They, or so it is told. Really? You know, so, and I recall at one point going, like, well through a production process. We had vocals, background vocals, guitars. It was pretty damn near done when we decided the tempo was wrong and, and that very speed and it wasn't going to do. Oh, that's a killer, isn't it? 
And we were going to have to go back, and these were the days of FSK, and we were going to have to go back and basically remake the song. Um, and, you, you know, there weren't samplers capable of, of uh, time stretching or pitch shifting, that kind of information. You were going to be re-recording that whole son of a gun over again. What was, what's SSK? Sorry. F- FSK. FSK. FSK oh. tone. Uh, as, as oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. These were, this was like in the early 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the other thing that annoys me is things that can be made much more quicker, more quickly and done um, more efficiently if you let the technology work for you. Things like um, when you're working with somebody and they're sort of poking around with a mouse, um, you know, you're maybe programming with somebody and they, they know how to fly Logic or Pro Tools and they're just but a bit and they're sort of doing their thing and you just think, I could have done that in about two seconds. Look, just let me drive. You tell me what to do. I'll do it. And I, I just sort of feel I can't bear to watch people kind of, you know, moving the mouse right up to the menu, bringing it down, selecting something, going, oh, no, I didn't select that again and doing it all over again when, in fact, if they just went mm. Apple f or whatever it is that the equivalent key command is that i i just can't help but go no stop let me do it that that's something that i don't know if that annoys me but i i hate to see computers eat eat up time when in fact they could generate time on a sort of macro level even though they are terrible time black holes Mm. yeah well very few people just use it like a tape machine that i've met Mm. uh and if you're not just using it like a tape machine it's taking up some of your time well that's true yeah because it affects your creative process and everything about it. Like I said, you don't have to make any decision ever. <laughs> you don't. You can put. You, I have seen two in the morning, fourteen hours into a mix, new kick drum pattern. It's like let's just lift the house off the foundation, <laughs> rebuild the foundation. It's. It. I've seen it happen, and it. It. You know what are you going to say? You can. I, I. I wasn't real happy about it at the time, but I can see that somebody felt it was important. Yeah. Well. If it's not working, then something has to be done sometimes, I guess. Mark, I imagine you might have a couple of things that get under your skin. Uh, I'm kind of off ranting, actually. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm moving away from ranting, but that's not to say that I don't have a few left over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad. I think I could start with uh, uh, health and safety in studios for people who are freelancing, RSI. Uh, what happens to your ears when you're in the room with somebody else who doesn't care about theirs. Uh, 18 hour days when you're on your day rate and then you're told come back at 10 o'clock in the morning and then the artist turns up at three or four or five and says, what have you done then? What have you got for me? And I'm like, "Uh, well, hang on, man. You didn't tell me what we were doing today. So actually I've been sitting on my ass waiting for you. Or, um, Or even worse, when they call in and say, you know, those seven sequencer parts, can you cut them all up? And then they get in and they go, oh, no, I don't like that. (laughs) <laughs> that's it I just, when other people don't like stuff i've worked really hard on and i'm inspired by it that's the worst one. yeah that's a hard one that's the thing that's, yeah. that's tough it. though isn't it that's that's just the the you know if you're not the main talent and you're the kind of the session guy then you have to put up with that stuff all the time because a lot of the time people just don't know what they want until they hear something that they don't want if you see what i mean well in my position if i'm working for a band where there's at the well, at one point when I was working for them, there were five people who were making the creative decisions about where it was going. I could really please one of them and have him like totally with me on something, and I'd be inspired and you know pulling all the stops out and thinking, oh, I'm really enjoying myself. I'm really going to spend a lot of time on synth patches and making this all really special or guitar sounds or whatever. And then you know three of the others turn around and go oh that sounds rubbish i should say thank you and um and you just sit there and you you just deflate 
Yeah. I sit there and I just. It's think, quite hard to get going again, isn't it? You have to then just try and find the energy to kind of do something with any impetus or full momentum after you've been deflated. That's quite a difficult thing to do, isn't it? I suppose that's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand. When you have a very tight, creative group of people and somebody who's not used to that environment comes in and they throw in an idea and everybody goes, no, I don't like that. They they get really upset and take it really personally. I mean, whereas, you know, if you're involved and exposed to that a lot, the whole point is is to, to have a, a kind of idea session or whatever. And, and, and a lot of people can't cope with the idea of having any ideas rejected whatsoever. I suppose worse is having your ideas accepted and then not seeing your name on the sleeve at the end of the day. <laughs> That's pretty bad as well. <laughs> well, and that has happened a couple of times, uh, maybe possibly by mistake. I think I can, you know, I'm not going to be hard on the people that did it, but yeah, well, that right. sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, I guess that kind of thing does rankle a little bit. So there's plenty there to be going on with. So how about and and the other thing that can go in room one hundred and one is reading reviews, where it says the person you've been working with is an absolute genius and they've completely you know created something new yet again and you know damn well that you did all, all of you, it it was all your ideas yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i could tell by that chuckling that there's a couple of people in this uh, in this in this panel who maybe have recognized that situation happened to yes <laughs> excellent well that's our 101 room 101 kind of thing so we're going to take a break now and talk about the Yamaha Pocket Track 2G personal recorder. This is a great little device. We've had one in the office for a little while, um, and he's just reviewing it at the moment, actually. And it's very, very small, compact. It's got a stereo mic, records to a variety of formats, uh, runs on a single AAA battery, which is also included rechargeable, and you can get up to 19 hours of recording. And it's into two gigabytes of its internal memory. It's got a very cool retractable USB connector, so you can plug it straight into the computer without any extra cables. Uh, It's also got a built-in speaker, so you can preview what you've been doing. And if you're going to use it for, say, transcription, you're maybe doing an interview if you're a journalist or whatever, it's got a speed control, so you can slow it down and work with that that enables you to transcribe very well. It sounds great. It's got a built-in limiter. Uh, we love it here, actually, and I've used it to do backups of the podcast a couple of a couple of times now, and I can thoroughly recommend it. So, and I also just like to say thank you very much to Yamaha Music Production for continuing sponsorship of this podcast. Oh, let's go on to the Mofo and Lindrum Two delayed because last week um, there was a lot of people calling for us to discuss the Lindrum Two, which is uh, for those who've been following its progress, which is the the sort of uh, it's a a drum machine stroke synthesizer um, that's in collaboration with Roger Lynn, who is, of course, the granddaddy of NPCs and some say drum machines in entirety, and Dave Smith, who is the granddaddy of kind of, well, some say polyphonic synthesizers, at least, um, you know, microprocessor controlled ones. So um, the Lindrum 2 has been delayed. We were expecting it um, sometime at the end of this year, but now um, they say, no, it's not going to happen. They've, they've gone back to the drawing board. Um, and this is according to the page. So the good news is that it's turned into a significantly more powerful and creative product. The bad news is that we prefer to not release any details of the new design because it's so cool we don't want to show our cards to the competition. So they, which I, I imagine for a small company, they must have invested quite a lot of time and there's kind of cash flow stuff tied up in all of this thing. And they've kind of gone, nope. We're not happy with the way it is. Let's go back to the drawing board and, and kind of incorporate some of these new ideas. That's kind of quite a brave thing to do, is it not? Yeah. D- Dave Spears, you, you, you can identify with that, I would imagine. 
Yeah, but sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes you kind of go off in this whole creative vibe and you think, actually, we could improve that and we could change that and whatnot. So actually, more power. I think more power to his elbow. I saw the um, – I posted the, the last but one design, which looked really impressive. It was a kind of – It does look very it nice. It looked really nice, but that's apparently not even the current one. That's the last but one, which was one after the sort of the Lindrum 2 photos that we previously saw. And um, they they say it's going to be it's, – it's incorporating more digital audio workstation, analog synthesizer, and beats maker. It's kind of got it's, – it's going more. So I don't know whether they've got – some case they found like a i don't know a dsp or a chip that allows them to do lots more things or what i don't know i guess we won't know until until close to the time maybe we'll see something at nam i don't know rich i think it looks fantastic i'm not surprised that things get delayed in the creative process and uh it's actually it's just like the conversation we were just having. Well, true. Yeah, they've they've added things. They've changed their mind. They, I mean, I I would I wish they'd just send me the prototype boom chick yeah. so I can use it now. <laughs> but uh, but in the meantime, you know, yeah, that that last thing that's posted here looks you know all cool, and I love the wood sides, and it looks like it's going to be it's going to have faders and stuff. It's cool, and if it's got analog synth in there, obviously they're using some uh, Dave Smith's. Uh, Wizardry designs and that yeah. can't and that can't suck. That's go, that's only going to be when, good. And when you get your boom check, you're going to have to get a sharpie and you're going to have to just etch out the, the the last K so that you have a boom chic. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, that would be cool. It's boom not unfortunately going to be called a boom check anymore, which is um, it's, you know, it's going to be plain old Lindrum two, which kind of makes sense as uh, you know, Roger has has the sort of the name for it, and why not you know milk it? I guess. Well, it's interesting how the er- the ergonomics have changed across those three pictures, because it's it has morphed significantly as a product. Yeah. I guess less so between the last two than between Boom Chick and the Lindrum Two, but still, there's um, it's interesting. I mean, uh, like I said, Boom Chick still looks interesting to me, and now the two subsequent designs I'm looking at, they also look cool. It's like, all right, just send me one. Yeah, <laughs> I'll work. With I like one the of red these. colored one. Yeah, that does look. And it looks nice. red in your picture. I mean, I'm guessing that's wood on the end, is it? Uh, I don't know. It's it's a kind of it's a 3D render, isn't it? It's not the real thing yet. Moving on. Nextly, um, obviously, Dave Smith has released yet another synthesizer called the Mofo, which uh, is also. Let me just play a little bit of it because we got a bit of demo. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not sure that will translate totally over the, uh, the the reduced bandwidth of our uh, of our MP3 ness, but um, basically, it's available now. It's 439 US bucks. It's 100% analog signal path, two oscillators. Uh, one Curtis low-pass filter, two-pole or four-pole, analog VCA, three analog generators, two sub-octave generators, which is kind of interesting, which is one sub, one down and two down on each of the oscillators. Uh, external audio input with feedback, assign, four assignable uh, performance controls, 16 by 4 step sequencer, arpeggiator, fully programmable, 384 program, blah, 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 blah. Seems like a kind of pretty reasonable price point. And obviously he's kind of stripped the knobs off and gone for the... I don't know whether it's it's presumably got similar stuff under the hood as his Evolver series and maybe stuff from the Profit and all that thing. You know, people are trying to... Desperately trying to make it seem like it's a Pro 1, but I don't know if that's true or not. 
but you know, sounded really good. I was just waiting for it to drop into a nine oh nine four on the floor kick drum, and then. <laughs> well, there's a whole load of demos. If you go on YouTube, um, I posted some up on the new system, um, which were uh, from a chap called Keyboard Wizard, the Keyboard Wizard, um, who who seems to get hold of this stuff real early, especially Dave Smith stuff. So I'm guessing he must be having in with Dave Smith because they're not shipping review units for several weeks, and he's posted like three videos of him playing around with the stuff, uh, and it does. You know, it definitely has, uh, or it seems to have a wow factor. It's very hard to tell. I mean, I I'm, I don't know how much of this is kind of um, just because we want it to be good and we like Dave and we like the idea of all Dave's stuff. Um, and he has a kind of very a very loyal following. I don't know, Dave, you're a synthesizer connoisseur as well. Did you kind of, were you impressed? Will you be trying one out? It's a good price. It's a very good price. It, it and is. I like it. the name. Mofo, yeah, lots yeah. of headlines there. Yep. I can what is the price marking? Sorry, four thirty nine dollars. Yeah, four thirty nine. Cheap as chips, isn't it? Really? It's a single voice. Obviously, we should mention it's not a you know. So it's more like the original Evolver, I guess, in terms of um, well, polyphony. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, he's he says it's one voice from a Prophet 08, basically with the sub octaves. Ah, uh, okay. Edit. Well, hence hence the uh, the kind of Pro One um, likeage. So, to me, it sounded a little bit like it had some 303 personality to it from what that clip that you just played. Well, he's got distortion. There is. He's always been a fan of having distortion circuits in his synthesizers since the Evolver days. So, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Sorry, it looks great. It's got two oscillators, three ADSR generators. It looks, it looks very cool for, for the money. It's a lot of synth. Do, are, we, are, are we getting to the position, though, with hardware synthesizers where we like the idea of them and we'd probably you know take one if it was given to us but ultimately it's another box to have to carry around when i can do it with a pair of headphones and a, and a laptop mm. if i didn't I, have a mini moog in the studio i might be interested in something like this or the blowfeld or one of those kinds of things because it is a desktop it's the it's, t- it's you know it's it's following in the footsteps of desktop synthesizer things which seem to be quite prevalent these days it's sort of coming out of the rack and onto the desktop which i mean where do you put those kind of things they have to go next to your laptop you know it's, it's an interesting ergonomic kind of shift mm-hmm. as well i mean i like it that it's got an audio in that means it can yeah. process all sorts of things so it's as interesting as a floor pedal for me it means i could like shove things through it and bring them back into sure pro tools or whatever i wonder if i can do that on my laptop actually Mm, who knows dave you're you're kind of you have a foot in both camps don't you because obviously you develop software but you have a a deep um interest in hardware synthesizers yeah some would say bordering on obsession but what do you think i mean ergonomically it's kind of an interesting shift isn't it all this desktop stuff where does it how does it work because i i remember when um there was a big shift to everything going into racks, wasn't there, for a while. Um, so all the things that were on the desktop, they, they kind of got orphaned, and you had to have special shelves built to put them on and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in fact, my Nord's suffering from that. Um, I'll tell you what I like. I like the idea of taking a desktop unit and really exploring it. I think, you know, there's kind of, whilst we all love presets and all the rest of it, there's a, a sort of dependency on presets but what i really like are people who learn one instrument inside out so that they can really extract the most out of it and that's kind of their baby yeah and, uh, that's what i'm kind of keen on with this and certainly the blow felt and stuff like that 
Well, that's true. I mean, that's something you... But, I mean, I guess that happens in software as well. I mean, there's um, Native Instruments Massive seems to be adopted, have been adopted by loads of drum and bass people. You know, and it, there are lots of people kind of getting really deep into it because it does what they need for that genre of music. So presumably there are quite a lot of um, similar, you know, sort of parallel um, people who are into, in, into software instruments as opposed to hardware instruments. Yeah, of course. Definitely. And I think that's a good thing. I, I, you know, I do like the idea of kind of carting around. I mean, I knew some guy who, you know, the CS80 was his instrument and that's how he got oh all of his work because <laughs> he was the man who used the CS80, probably because he had the only one working at the time in the UK. Yeah. But um, that side, you know, he could really get a maximum amount of expression out of it. And that's what I find quite exciting about these really good priced sort of desktop things. I mean, software is is fantastic. And I, I find that actually what I do is generate ideas on hardware stuff and then I'll recreate that in software. That's an interesting Be- one. Because I like the tactile nature. Well, yeah, as we've, we've discussed before, isn't it? That the sort of path to, from um, you know, idea through your, your your nerves to your fingers is that fractionally faster with an instrument you know and love and can get around very quickly. So you're more likely to come up with more inspirational and kind of spontaneous things than you are with software. What's probably interesting about that as well is if you're making Oscar patches on a real Oscar, you will constantly be tweaking the software version of it to make it more and more like the real thing right in other words if you find an anomaly where it's not quite the same as the other one you'll be able to do something about that as you go along yeah i mean you learn the differences between the between the two what we found certainly with the oscar versus the imp oscar is that there were actually kind of two revisions of oscars made and one had a slightly different um filter tracking on it so actually when it came to you know recreating other people say i've got a converter here that i use to take sizzix stuff uh, and turn it into imposter patches and with some people it was absolutely on the money and others they were kind of going oh it's a little different so actually you know just knowing the instrument inside out i think it's really key yeah that's it i'm trying to think the last instrument i got to know inside out i mean I tended to, you know, it depends on what you're doing with it, I suppose. I mean, as as music becomes more, you know, we become pigeonholed in more in, into more specific genres, you know, and you have success, you know, doing a dance music of a certain type. The the chance the, the the chance for exploration of an instrument sort of becomes does it does it not become sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, in, enclosed because of you know the the way that music has developed alongside the technology it's an interesting one i mean what I, what I find working with other people is they'll go oh, i've got this idea and it goes like this and nine times out of ten i'll know exactly what instrument particularly synth wise to go to in order to get that texture because they've all got their different characters yeah that's true i, I mean i think that's something that's probably not that common these days because it's more you know i've just got a bit of i've got a load of software things and, and it, you know it, it's not it's not it's more like a question of preset selection which is a different mindset isn't it yeah one can i can i say one more thing about mofo yes of course i want dave smith if he's listening which he might be to build a usb audio interface into it with four inputs and four outputs so that and uh, to get rid of the midi in and the midi out and just have one usb thing on there but four soft inputs and outputs. So I can bring it up in Logic, and then I can bust things through it and then back into Logic and record them or hear them. 
Can okay, I, I, what kind of like the um, access virus TI snow sort of concept? Yeah, that's an you interesting idea. Or kind of like the this Toneport UX two thing that I have, which I can send audio down USB into it and back out of it, or I can instance it as a plugin in Logic. How about a, a USB connector with a a plugin ability then? Right. I get in as an insert. I would think the critical thing there is more likely to be the fact that, you know, if you're designing something with DSP from the ground up, you can integrate the computer side of it, whereas something that's got a lot of analog circuitry, you're sort of going to have to bolt on a, an audio I.O. and then figure out a way of getting that in and out without too much compromise of, um, uh, of sound quality. Would that be right, Dave? Uh, yes, Probably. <laughs> well, sorry, we're on very got, shaky ground. <laughs> he's got audio in. I mean, uh, it's not that far-fetched, and I don't see why he'd want to remove the MIDI inputs and outputs to put a USB connector on there. But putting USB on there would be great, and being able to instantiate it as a plug-in, so much the better. I, I notice on their site they're actually looking for uh, hiring people, you know, um, to, to kind of help them develop their sort of software and that side of things a little bit more. And that's so maybe you know that's an area that they're looking to explore. I don't know. It would certainly change the price tag. Uh, well, yeah, because I mean the development of that sort of stuff. I mean, as with the the virus system, you know, the TI Snow is now great, but you know it has been a bit of a rocky road to get to here. I mean, I'm glad I only reviewed it, you know, whatever a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, because when I got to it, it was pretty damn good. Whereas, you know, if I'd reviewed it maybe at, uh, at version 1 or version point one or whatever, I would have been less impressed. So there's obviously a lot of development that goes into something that is that integrated. So that might be prohibitive for a company as small as uh, as Dave Smith, you know, and, and whether or not you want to kind of devote full-time people to, to doing that as opposed to the return. I mean, who knows? I mean, it's, you know, that's the eternal question. Is it viable? You know, who knows about that? There's always that classic answer, isn't there? Yes, we could do that, but it'll add another thousand bucks to the price tag. And they always go, oh, we'll take this one. Okay, well, that was uh, our, our Dave Smith and Roger Lynn section. Um, the last couple, I thought there were a couple of things that um, didn't make, we didn't get around to last week. And I guess we're probably running a little bit light on time. So we've got two topics. Uh, who would like to do what? We've got um, what synth in the future will we be talking about in 20 years, you know, in the same way that we now understand ones as classics or who would you like to most like to work with and why or meet and why that's got to be that one isn't it yep okay all right well this is a topic from last week um which we didn't get around to because we were having such a ball and it was it was sort of designed to so that everybody could go and and, and, and tell us a little bit about their aspirations work-wise or whatever so this one is who would you most like to work with stroke meet and why and it's kind of sort of a variation on that kind of um who would you like to have dinner with you know dinner party guest theme but um so i don't know i mean rich hilton you you um you, you originally said mutt lang uh, obviously this is a, a question that's more directly tailored to uh, um to a specific individual what's 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 your response right i'm not sure mutt would be the one i most would like to meet uh, but he's a person I would definitely like to meet. Do they have to be living? I don't think so. I don't see it necessarily has to be living. No. Oh, then we're talking about guys like Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> okay. Beethoven. Um, I, you know, I've been very, very lucky in my career to meet and work with people who I idolized as a young person and who I would never have dared dream that I would get to know and be friends with. So it's, it's, I don't often think past that 
to okay. who who's left. You know what I mean? Because I've met so many people, and and uh, it, I had so many pinch myself moments that uh, you know, like pinch me am I dreaming kind of thing. So I, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be. Uh, you know, as far as people who are alive today, I'm not going to be much use on this question. But uh, you know, when it comes to historical figures, you know, Abraham Lincoln. You know, there are people I would like to have said, and and if you go back further in history, it'll you know you know. I'd like to have lunch with Newton, um, you know. So that that kind of thing. <laughs> That's fair enough. Dave Spears. Oh blimey, where do I start? I, actually, it's similar to Rich uh, in a lot of ways. I've worked with some fantastic people, and definitely pinch me moments. Um, some of them not all brilliant. It's, sometimes it's not good meeting and working with your idols. I can't mention any names, but some of them are a complete nightmare. Um, I'd like to work with. Let me think. Being irreverent, I'd like to work with Simon Cowell so I could stab him in the throat. <laughs> um, no, I'll tell you what, Malcolm Cecil, he, he'd be somebody that I'd really love to work with, the guy who did all the early Stevie album um, okay. programming. The, Tonto, the Tontos guy. Yeah, and definitely, definitely John Lydon. He would be uh, probably top of my list. Oh, that's an interesting. The, the guy from uh, the Sex Pistols, of course, for those yeah. who perhaps don't know. And that could go one way or the other. It could be. I imagine it would be a lot of fun. I imagine it. Would, I mean, in in the same way, I reckon it was probably quite a good fun getting a chance to work with uh, people like uh, Malcolm McLaren, who kind of pioneered quite a lot of modern music technology in you know uh, usage within pop music as well, with all that duck rock and what have you. He would have been quite interesting. I'm yeah. possibly still, but he's much less of a palatable character, I suppose. Yeah, I do like putting people together though. And that's, uh, I've had this big thing about, I want to introduce the Underworld guys and John Fox because I think their art's very similar and I think they just get on really well. I've been trying to do that for about a year now. Uh-huh. Um, that'll be good. I quite like to put people together and just sit back and observe. Okay, like matchmaker. Mm. All right. Okay. And Mark, what about you? Um, well, like Rich, I've got quite a few dead ones <laughs> I would have liked to have worked with. Okay. Um, so I've got Beethoven, Frank Sinatra, Jimi Hendrix, John Lennon, uh, Jim Morrison. Oh, would you? But, he would have been a nightmare. Well, <laughs> he never shown up, Mark. Maybe I could give him some counselling or something. <laughs> Take some modern counselling back and sort him out. Yeah, maybe. But most of the ones that are, who are living who I'd like to work with are like, um, I'd quite like to work with Fiona Apple. Okay. I like her voice. And also Emily Autumn. Um, but basically that would really impress my daughter because my daughter's really into her. So. Okay. Um, who else? I can't think of anyone else really. Um well, that's enough, isn't it? I know who else I'd like to work with. Some of the glitch guys, like Mouse on Mars. I'd love to know how they do exactly how they do what they do. And Lassig Benthouse. They, I mean, their programming is just unbelievable. I mean, whether they spend hours meticulously programming some of those mad little snare loops, or whether they, uh, whether they have loads of accidents and then cut and paste it together, or whether it's all completely random, I don't know. But it mm. sounds amazing. Hmm. And uh, oh, another one would be, I'd love to work with anybody who's 15 now, who's got a voice like maybe Otis Redding or someone, you know, some that caliber of voice who hasn't made it, who I could help. 
Yeah, that's an interesting one because um, that's the, there's a really big kind of, or there has been a, a, a whole load of R&B acts um, coming through that, you know, they can all sing fantastically, but they're not, they don't seem to have, you know, that special character. They're not, they're, they're a bit generic, even though they're all incredibly accomplished singers. There's the character sort of missing. Is I wonder why that is. Maybe it's auto-tune. Well, that, I think there's an element of don't that. You think, don't you think, what's that? girl uh, lily allen don't you think she sounds like she's been munchkinized a bit do you think she's actually doing that voice and why are all female singers doing that voice at the moment i much prefer the sort of smoky sexy american accent to this really hokey squeaky british accent that's going on at the moment what's that all about i have no idea well there's a there's a question to ponder and leave it hanging in the air as we bring sonic talk number 101 to an end post-centenary links this post yeah the post-centenary podcast is over so this is sonic talk number 101 um thank you very much to my guests uh, for continuing to join me especially after last week's complete chaos uh, obviously haven't scared you off yet oh there's a bit more speaking of chaos there's mark with his core cool oscillator uh, mark tinley of course can be found at stop funny machine.com yes yeah i can <laughs> and you thought i wouldn't have remembered anything from last week excellent i did have to think about it i had to dig deep for that one so, yeah so thank you mark for joining us and uh, you're welcome rich hilton from connecticut i guess you've got a full day ahead of you um Rich Hilton, of course, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your thoughts with us this week. And, of course, Dave Spears, um, last but certainly not least, from g4software.com. Thank you. Great. I'm glad we – I think that reboot seemed to fix your Skype problems because you've not dropped out since, so there must yeah. have been something funny going on. So hopefully it's nothing that you have to worry about in terms of any of your software development. It's somebody else's fault. Yes, as is always the case. Okay, well, um, thank you. That's it. (laughs) 